Four years ago, England were a whisker away from reaching a World Cup final, only for Croatia to find a way to win a captivating semi-final. Last year, Gareth Southgate's side reached a major final for the first time since 1966, only to suffer penalty shootout heartbreak at the hands of Italy. This year in Qatar, just how far can England go? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is World Cup Only Better. This is the first of our regular shows that you'll be able to enjoy throughout the tournament. It's worth worth remembering we've still got a couple of preview shows on the channel for you to enjoy. One of them mainly betting-led with guys like Jake Osgathorpe and Jason Murphy on the show. Another one had great coaching and playing insight from Glenn Hoddle and Patrice Evra. So then. England's tournament gets underway on Monday afternoon as they face Iran. Delighted to say that I'm once again joined by my regular vice-captain, Mark O'Hare. Mark, England 1.39 on the exchange to take the win. Iran 12 to cause an upset and take the three points. I think a lot of people who don't know anything about Iran might look at it and think, well, that's a nice, kind start for England. The truth might be somewhat different. Yeah, for sure. Um it feels more banana skin than straightforward for England, actually. Um, being the first game, being barely a week after the players have met up after what's been quite an intense season so far, played in afternoon heat conditions. Um, we're told that there's going to be you know, air-conditioned stadiums. Who knows how well that's going to work at the moment? I think you've got to assume that uh, the heat will be a factor. And they're playing a well-drilled defence that will put two two big blocks behind the, behind the ball and ask England to try and, uh, you know, break them down really so Iran's game plan will absolutely be to to sit back aim to frustrate and play on the counter-attack and utilize set pieces it's what what's worked for them really well in the past too and I think uh, the lack of preparation time for England um plus you know most of these matches which are taking place in the first part of the the week of the World Cup I do think there's scope for a few surprise results now I'm not saying England don't win this I think clearly as the odds suggest that they are the most likely winners but I agree. I think it's going to be much, much harder work than people possibly anticipate. Uh, and I'm counting on Iran to be quite competitive in this match. Um, so if you go into the, the Asian handicap markets on the exchange, you can actually get Iran on side with a, a plus one and a half goal start at 1.75, which basically means if Iran avoid defeat or they lose by exactly one goal, we make profit. If England win by two goals or more, we lose. Um, now, four years ago in Russia, England beat Tunisia 2-1 in the opener. They needed a, a stoppage time goal by Harry Kane to win that match. In 2014, they were beaten by Italy, so no complaints in their first game, really. But 2010, they were held by USA in their first game. 2006, they beat Paraguay 1-0. In 2002, they were held 1-1 by Sweden. In 1998, they beat Tunisia 2-0 with the second goal arriving in the 89th minute. Obviously, the Euros has been a much more difficult path. The competition tends to be. But they beat Croatia 1-0 last year. 2016, were held by Russia 1-1. 2012, they drew a France, lost to France, lost to Portugal, and were held by Switzerland if you go back to, to 1996. Um, so there you go. There's 12 first games across major tournaments for England going back to 96. They've won one of those matches by two goals or more. So England don't make a habit of blowing teams away early doors. And I think we all know Gareth Southgate's game plan is going to be about control. Um, 
it's relatively conservative, it's relatively pragmatic as well. England will dominate possession, they'll probably dominate territory too, and they'll dominate the shot counts and corner count too. But I think, you know, doing that and actually turning those uh, that dominance into goals isn't as easy as it might might people might believe against this Iran team. Um, we talked about on the previous shows, but go back four years, Iran were in a group with Portugal and Spain. And uh, Portugal and Spain did not have it easy whatsoever against Iran at all. Um, so, yeah, that's my angle of attack here. I like the underdogs on side of the big handicap start. It's probably a play I'll be looking to, to use or utilise through the first few days of the tournament as teams try and adjust to the climatic conditions, as well as just coming together just a week after domestic matches. Trader and tipster Mark Stinchcomb, the master of the sustainable edge, is with us once again. Stinch, how do we approach this one, do you think? I think this one's really tricky because I feel like every angle that you kind of logically think about is already kind of catered for by the, by the odds. So, for example, we, we think probably a low scoring game uh, under 2.5 is only 8 to 15. So you, you wouldn't really be going there. And I don't really think you want to try and be uh, greedy and go up for under 2.25 because I just especially when you've got a heavy favourite you know there's always the opportunity if England do score early Iran maybe come out a little bit more and then you know it gives England probably chances on the counter-attack uh, perhaps um, so then you think maybe okay England to win 1-0 but that's only 7-2 to two. England to win 2-0 is only 4-1 to one. so I thought oh maybe you know it takes a while for England to make the breakthrough perhaps draw half time then England go on to win in the second half that's only 5-2 to two. Um, I'll be God, these pesky you. traders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, for example, in, in in you know in that market, I'll be looking for. Oh, I want some something like at least seven to two or something like that. So yeah, re really, you know, way off. Um, you think maybe England win to nil, but that that's only eight to eleven, and and actually kind of leading on from where Mark finished there. Will England actually make the breakthrough in, in the end? You know, the heat and Iran stubbornness. But then nil nil is only seven to one, so yeah, I'm finding finding uh, difficult to find some maneuverability here. But I think if we lend ourselves to the fact that uh, it will be England attacking for the majority of the game, or at least having monopolising the ball, shall we say? Um, I think I found an angle that I quite like that involves. A bit of a maligned player, but I think one of Gareth Southgate's favourites. So I was looking at maybe Maguire to be involved somehow from a set piece, you know, maybe a free kick from a corner. He's been very effective for England in, in the last two tournaments under Gareth Southgate. And he's had 35 shots in 32 competitive England matches since the last World Cup and you can get Maguire to have two or more shots at 11 to 4 and I thought that was quite chunky to to have a go at um, England's corner line is set at 6.5 here uh, Mark referenced that game against Tunisia in the opening World Cup four years ago and with England only finding the winner in injury time and England had seven corners there so I think that's a reasonable template to work off the market is aligned that's something that happened previously and of course I think if Iran try and contain England there might be a lot of free kicks they give away and I think the beauty of these sorts of bets is you don't really ma you don't really matter where the where the shot goes whether it gets blocked whether it's on target whether it's off target you literally just want to see him um, you know win win a, win a header essentially that goes in some way towards the goal so I thought Harry Maguire to have two or more shots at 11 to 4 was, was quite chunky
Now, every day of the first week of the World Cup, we'll be offering a completely free £2 bet builder, maximum of one free £2 bet per customer per day. Applies to any bet builder on any World Cup game from the 20th to the 26th of November. Minimum combined odds 1.5 eligibility criteria and T's and C's apply. So we're going to try and help you out by putting together our own bet builder for this one. I was tempted by under three and a half goals, but that's probably too conservative, isn't it, I imagine? So maybe under two and a half goals I'll go for. So I'll get us started with that. Mark, what's the next step? Um, God, um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll just riff on quickly off, off the bat, really. We, we joked about um, things with, with Jason on the preview show about uh, England and Iran. And um, I basically made up a bet builder on my own just out of interest, um, which kind of fits the narrative that we've kind of discussed. England to win 1-0. It's to be nil-nil at half time and Harry Kane to score. Um, so obviously you can't back England to score in the last in the last five minutes from a penalty, but it kind of goes to the narrative we've kind of suggested it might be. And England to win one nil under 0.5 first half goals and Harry Kane to score comes in at 21.55. There you which go. doesn't seem like the worst shot for a couple of beer money. Classic England bet builder there. You can just see it, can't you? Kane wheeling away and Gareth Southgate puffing his cheeks towards the end uh, after a job well done. Stinch, how would you uh, attack a bet builder with England here? Yeah, something similar, really. So to try and... I think we probably did something similar when we've looked at other games where we've got a heavy favourite, but we're not quite sure whether they're they'll make the breakthrough or at least it won't be an early breakthrough. So yeah, probably looking at um, England, England corners, I said the line set at 6.5. So might, may, you could maybe take maybe 5.5, for example, to sort of kickstart it. Um, certain player shots, like obviously I mentioned Maguire to have two shots so maybe Maguire just have one shot in, in the match. And yeah, go for the, obviously the low scoring game or maybe most goals in the second half. Um, yeah, something along those lines. But I looked, I did look back at some of England's matches because, for example, I was like, well, if it's if it is a, a difficult affair for England, um, so that means that they will have to do the spend the game, most of the game attacking because they haven't found that goal. I thought like you could get like England to have twenty five shots, for example, is seven to one, but actually they're quite. They're quite turgid sometimes. They will go long spells without actually firing anything off. Um, and and also, England I fans think... are loving this already. What a, what a wonderfully inspiring start to the tournament this is. <laughs> well, I, I have I have to say I have looked at England not to qualify, which is seven to one. Um, but I think the only issue is the the other three teams probably take points off each other. Um, so I do I could see something similar to you know uh, the 1990 World Cup. Remember with uh, England, Egypt, uh, Ireland, and was it the Dutch? Yeah, Mark Wright stage. got that goal very late on, didn't he? Or, and, or got the winner, didn't he, against Egypt, as I remember. And going into the final group game, all the teams were level on two points because um, everyone was just drawing against each other. So, yeah, I've, I've waffled a little bit there. But, um, yeah, uh, I think against Scotland, England only had seven shots, for example. And uh, against Tunisia, it was was was, was another low number. So, yeah, I think it's, just, it's very difficult to find some wiggle room, in, in my opinion. So, I think the key message as well sometimes is if there's not a standout bet, you know, there is 64 World Cup matches to bet on. So, maybe just wait for the next opportunity. 
There you go, folks. That's got you going. Excited about England-Iran. Lovely stuff. Uh, the other game in Group B on Monday sees Wales take on the USA at seven. Stinch, the USA, the 2.62 favourites here. I must admit, I'm a little surprised about that. They were underwhelming in qualifying. I know they've got good individuals. I like Aronson very much. Pulisic, I think, is a better player than he showed us in the Chelsea shirt. But as a unit, they're not that impressive, are they? Certainly not enough to be 2.62 favourites here. No, I'm staggered that they're favourites, to be honest. Um, yeah, re really struggling to try and work out why. Um, I mean, I'm very disappointed that Ricardo Pepe has not been selected for the squad. You think, how can you not find a space for him in, in 26 players? Um, it didn't take Jordan either. You know, Jordan made a good start mm -hmm. to the season with Union or Pifok or Sibacha, whatever you want to call him. He's calling himself Jordan these days, apparently. So... Yeah, didn't take him, but did take Josh Sargent. So there you go. That's one of the great <laughs> mysteries of life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and the thing with Pepe is he started eight qualifiers. So what's your plan? Have you changed your plan? Um, then that says to me that maybe there isn't a cohesive plan there from the, from the USA. And yeah, I just I just don't really understand because he's having a good season for Groningen and there's a reason yeah, Augsburg would take. Because if he was still at Augsburg and on the bench and wasn't playing, you could understand yeah. that. But he's gone to the Netherlands and he's scoring goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a reason ultimately that Augsburg paid 16 million euros for him. He, he is a good player. Um, and yeah, with 26 players, I just find it strange that he couldn't get in. So yeah, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very apprehensive of USA's faves. Um, Joe Allen has been included for Wales, despite being a, a big injury doubt. Bale's not 100% fit, so maybe there's a little bit of a trade-off there. But yeah, I definitely have Wales faves because I think if you break the game down, they likely it will be low scoring and play out in a sort of must not lose style as, as much of as many opening tournament opening group games are like and I just feel Wales definitely have the higher star quality to win from low quality chances you know the likes of Bale, Kiefer Moore, Harry Wilson, Aaron Ramsey and then when I look at the US I think yeah Christian Pulisic and uh, Gio Reyna but Pulisic's badly out of form and, and Berhalter doesn't really fancy Reina. He, he barely plays him. And if he does play him, he often subs him early. So as you mentioned, USA underwhelmed in qualifying. They finished behind both Canada and Mexico. Um, outside of the USA, they scored just five goals in their seven away games. And four of those came against Honduras. So you can see that in the other games, they just scored one goal in those other six. Um, I know Wales coming into this and in maybe not the greatest form, but unfortunately they are quite high in the the nation's league so they are playing against teams that are well above their stature really because four four defeats in five before those games against Belgium and Holland um, and they and did have to focus on that World Cup playoff as well didn't they because it was a weird scheduling thing in the end because it got delayed for obvious reasons with Ukraine then suddenly they basically junked some of those nations league games didn't they yeah, I mean, if you look at international football, we don't have a bigger spread of data to work off because of obviously a less amount of games. So there's a higher probability for variance. But I just think we've got a really good template from, to work from from Wales. You talk about those playoff matches, how you know they um, navigated across those. You look at them at the last Euros, they were the fourth 
favourites, I think, to qualify out of the group of Turkey, Switzerland and Italy, and they navigated that fine. Obviously, they got to the semi-finals of Euro 2016 with many of the same players there. And I think it's very, it's really good the way Robert Page has just seemed to sort of carried on that spirit, that togetherness. Um, so yeah, I want to be with Wales here 100%, and you can get Wales plus a quarter, around about 1.82 on the exchange. And yeah, I like the fact that basically if Wales avoid defeat, we'll, we'll get paid out half our stake. So yeah, I wouldn't be back in USA at these prices, no way. Yeah, Mark, I mean, Stinch going mad here. The US seem overrated here. Yeah, agree. I've got the same bet down as well. Wales plus a quarter, which is good to hear. Um, yeah, I, I think I've said on the preview shows, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to see the US as a, I wouldn't call it a strong favourite, but the second favourite to follow England out of the group in the to qualify markets. Um, I think it's much more balanced than, than the market is suggesting coming into this match too. But um, you give Wales the edge because of that X factor. And um, look, it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. Um, the US might be weak at centre-half and centre-forward, but they've got plenty of energy at full-back. Uh, the midfield, um, you know, we talk about Iran being awkward. That American midfield is very awkward. And the midfield makeup, whichever three from four he goes with, you know, there's quality there in McKinney, Adams, Aronson and, and Musa. Um, loads of energy, the ability to press high and, and disrupt and, and ball playing ability too. And, 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 you know, all four of those players can break into a box and, and, and do some damage in the opposition penalty area too. So I do like the American midfield. It's just elsewhere in key areas where they, they fall down really. And um, I actually think perhaps their, their high pressing style might suit Wales, uh, might allow them to sort of play long. Um, and that's why I wonder whether they do start Kiefer Moore here because Robert Page has been very, very adaptable and versatile in his setups um, over the last 12 months. You know, we've had um, Kiefer Moore starting, Gareth Bale being a false nine, various different sort of makeups really in the forward areas. So fascinated to see which system he does go with. But I do think perhaps start Kiefer Moore and play long and direct early, beat the press. And you've got ability in the final third to really hurt the Americans, which the US certainly don't have um, in terms of you know reliability. You look towards Pulisic as possibly the, the standout star, but he's he's nowhere near the the uh, ability of Gareth Bale to score from distance or be as accurate from dead ball situations. So um, yeah, I think that's a uh, potential an area where, where Wales can exploit. Um, I think uh, obviously fullbacks and wingbacks, Wales are pretty strong too. So this is probably going to be a tight game, first game of a World Cup, both teams. Um, you know, expected to to play out against each other for the, the second spot behind England. So, um, not expecting it to be rip roaring and, and high scoring. So, uh, in low scoring matches, as Stinch says, you want the the players or the team with the the players who've got the most uh, ability to score from distance or tight matches. So Wales have that. USA possibly don't. So yeah, Wales plus a quarter would be the angle. Um, but also, you know, if Kiefer Moore does start, um, look towards him in terms of all the the fouls and cards markets as well. He's got 11 cards and 28 international appearances. He's all arms and elbows. Is that an elbows thing? Yeah, I was going to say, is that like aerial challenges? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets away with it in England, um, or he did in the Championship, and probably less so in the Premier League. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that international referees tend to frown upon. Uh, he's actually evens to commit two or more fouls in the game, which... Uh, does feel quite appealing, That's really. A tremendous bet. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't have. Not any... that he's a dirty player, but he he's so awkward, and he gets up early, and he tries to, you know, use his arms for leverage, as all good centre forwards do. But refs will clamp down on that kind of thing. Yeah, so even for two or more fouls does appeal, possibly more so than, than the seven to two to be carded. So um, there's two sort of key for more angles to consider, but we'll have to wait and see if he gets the nod from the start. 
Ah, and that sounds like a good basis for a bet builder, Mark. If you had something like Wales draw double chance, Kiefer Moore to have a couple of fouls, maybe Gareth Bale to have a shot on target. Stinch, is there anything you chuck into a bet builder that would appeal? Yeah, like the Bale angle. I think you could get, come out a couple of ways. Um, he's just one to seven to have two or more shots. But I thought what was quite uh, nice was if you broke those down into at least one being in each half. And I don't see any reason to suggest not. You know, we, we know he likes to take a pot shot from distance, for example. And he does drop in deep. He's obviously beyond free kick duty. So I don't think that's a big ask. And in World Cup qualifying, he was averaging four shots per match. So yeah, uh, Bale to have a shot in either half. I thought, Eight to 13, I think that's quite nice to throw in. We've got a very exciting offer for the World Cup, by the way. It's to do with the Golden Boot market. Bet £10 on the Golden Boot winner. Get a free £2 bet every time they score or assist. That applies to the first bet placed on the Golden Boot market. Maximum £2 free bet per goal or assist. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. See gamblerware.org. Group A's first match day concludes at four. Senegal against the group favourites, the Netherlands. The Dutch, the 1.61 favourites. Mark, I know that there's a good chance the Dutch will get Argentina in the quarters, although it's all ifs, buts and maybes. I do like the Dutch, though. I mean, we don't know about Memphis, about his fitness in general. But Louis van Gaal's got some incredible quality to work with. He does, yeah. They're being talked about as you know, quarter-finalists uh, at worst, really. Um, I'm not completely convinced by them, I have to be said. Um, I don't like the goalkeeping situation. Um, yeah, that is a worry. Virgil van Dijk, who's had a, a difficult campaign as well. Um, obviously, we know he's got huge ability. Maybe the, the switch to international football will help. Um, and obviously, the striker situation too. Um, working off the assumption that Memphis is missing, because that's what Van Gaal said last week. It means Janssen will start... Um, up front, I mean, obviously they've got quality elsewhere, but this again. Tottenham legend Vincent Janssen, you mean? <laughs> yeah, with Bergwijn as well. So Spurs fans will be <laughs> probably wincing at that strike partnership. But um, you know, Bergwijn's always delivered in a Dutch shirt, and you know, shouldn't be written off at all. But um, yeah, the mid midfield is quality. Um, they've got plenty of pace and ability in fullback areas or, or wingback situations, shall I say? But um, I feel to me slightly short for an opening game here considering everything we talked about of England being you know just a week out from playing domestic matters um I didn't really like the price to be honest uh, I felt this was a really tricky game to to second guess and a lot's been made of Sadio Mane's absence which as we know symbolically and emotionally as well as obviously physically is a, is a huge loss for Senegal but they're not a one-man team and I think it'd be doing them a disservice to suggest that they are a one-man team because they've got ability elsewhere um you know, top-level ability as well, playing across Europe, a majority of which will be Premier League-based. But defensively, they've been solid for a long, long time under Ali Ossise. Uh, midfield, they've got plenty of battlers and, and runners who will disrupt and make life difficult. Um, conditions that should probably suit Senegal over over the Dutch as well. So, um, and, you know, without Memphis as well leading that line, you know, it does kind of balance things out slightly. So, um, yeah, I did find this game tough to call. I, I do think the Dutch come out of this group with room to spare, but um, you know it's not the easiest start to play Senegal um, in the afternoon heat. So I was looking towards the Asian handicap market again. It's something I said on the preview shows that if there are strong favourites and I can pick holes in them, I probably will look to try and oppose them on the handicap. So Senegal plus one is now one point nine four, which feels like a big price. You know you need the Dutch to win this game by two goals or more to lose your bet, to lose your stake. Senegal have lost by more than one goal just once uh, over the last three years. 
Uh, I know the majority of that opposition have been probably below par in terms of World Cup terms, but you know they have shown consistently that they are capable of keeping the back door shut and locked. And I do think there is enough quality in forward areas to cause problems, um, whether it's counter-attacks, transitions, or whether it's just uh, open play possession or set pieces, because you know the Dutch might be unbeaten under Van Gaal in 15 um, and been playing pretty well and being tested against top-level opponents, but they have been giving opposition teams opportunities. Their clean sheet record isn't the most impressive, um, and Van Gaal has switched systems away from his traditional 4-3-3 to play the swing-back system to try and offer a bit more you know, consistency and assurance defensively. So um, I do think they're gettable. Um, I wouldn't back them at 1.59 or 1.6 to win this match. Stinch, you winced when you uh, heard just the name Vincent Janssen. Um, you have a similar opinion to Mark. Bergvine's an interesting one, I think, because he's been playing lights out for Ajax this season. I think that move back to the Netherlands has really benefited him. But do you think this is a bit short, this price for the Netherlands? Yeah, very, very short. Sure. I've got some reservations regarding the, the Dutch squad, to be honest. I mean, it's not... It's very concerning when your star striker, Louis van Gaal, referred that he's medically fit. I don't think that's a good thing because we're not a rehabilitation centre. <laughs> I don't think that's a very positive line to come out with. And I'm very disappointed that there's no Dan Juma, there's no Daniel Marlon. Yeah, the Dan uh, Juma thing's just strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very disappointed there. Uh, no Gravenberg, uh, no Sven Botman. You know, that Newcastle team hasn't just magically got itself into the top four. <laughs> um, and yet he's he's chosen Luke de Jong, uh, Vincent Janssen and Veghorst. It's like, how many types of striker exactly the same do you need? It's 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 incredible. Uh, Davy Klaassen's in there as well. Like He loves Davy Klaassen though, to be it fair. Doesn't... Doesn't even get in the IX team, so yeah, I don't, I don't really understand it. So long term, yeah, I, I would be, I would be against the Dutch. I don't really want to oppose them in this group, to be honest. I think, I think, yeah, there's enough negatives about uh, a bit, a lot bigger negatives, and obviously there's a huge difference in in overall quality. Um, obviously, Senegal got a few issues as well, though. That we, uh, this Sadio Mane thing is obvious, um, but the regular centre-back, Abdou Diallo, he suffered a knee injury for, for Leipzig recently and he was withdrawn. <clears throat> he, was, <coughs> excuse me, he was withdrawn from the, the, the starting eleven when they played Freiburg recently. Uh, both full-backs from the Nations Cup final um, victory against Egypt uh, are absent. Uh, Bruno Saar is injured and Saliu Cease was uh, omitted. Um, he's been by our club since the, the end of last season. And obviously, you know, the big one, Sadio Mane, he accounts for 45% of their squad goals. So that's obviously a huge, huge chunk. But Mark mentioned about the trade-off. We're talking about this as if Depay doesn't start. I think that's what everyone is happy to accept. And he probably come on maybe 20 minutes to go, depending on how the game is, is going. I'd say that's probably a good uh, average to, to work from. But in actual fact, Depay, he accounts for 41% of the Dutch goals. So you see there, Mark mentioned about balancing ads. And I think it's quite true that, you know, they almost sort of cancel each other out there in that respect. So I definitely can't be back in Holland uh, at this price. I mean, 4 to 9 on the sports book looks, looks very, very short. Um, so going for one of my sustainable edges again. Yes. And hope, hopefully we'll get paid out in one of the Dutch games that they take part in. I really like... Well, actually, I'm going to put it to you, Kev. What price do you think Denzel Dumfries is to score a goal? Oh, now, I know what I might have him as, but I suspect 
He might be eight to one or something like that, maybe to score at any time, or is he a bit and bigger than that? What price would you back him at? Based, bearing in mind that the Dutch are obviously heavy odds on faves. Yeah, I, th- I think with him, he's a real danger. So I might even be tempted at like something like four to one or five to one, maybe. Yeah, yeah, he's eleven to two. So I think that's right. that's very that's very backable. And on the exchange, he's around about eight point zero. And I think um, you should still be able to get that come come match day as well. So slight slightly bigger. Um, yeah, much better I think going that's... forward than he is going backwards. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And and if we expect this to play out similar to maybe England v Iran, with Holland being the team that are going to be the the antagonists essentially, the the ones that are doing the majority of the attacking, I think he probably will. Spend most of the game probably in the Senegalese half, essentially, um, making those uh, forward runs to get in on the end of, of crosses and, and the such. And he scored in five of his last 16 Dutch matches. So, you know, that's 31% success rate. Yeah, obviously, we're getting odds here, you know, closer to sort of 15%. So I think there's a, a nice disparity there. He doesn't shoot a lot, which I was kind of surprised to see. He's only had 20 shots in his last 19 competitive duck matches. But what I really was impressed to see that 30% of those are coming inside the six-yard box. So he's very, very good at timing his run and ending up, and his teammates are very good at finding him or maybe just putting that ball, you know, across that corridor of uncertainty and he arrives there. Probably uh, maybe the fullback doesn't quite... Uh, know that he's there because they're not physically marking someone because he's making that late run. So, yeah, I just thought Denzel Dumfries there was a very, very nice price at 11-2. Yeah, certainly one to watch going forward. He's an exciting player in general anyway. Uh, if uh, you had Senegal, uh, I'm being told producer Jack, it's the first mention of producer Jack in this set of World Cup uh, shows, and the message has disappeared. But Bet Builder Double was uh, Senegal plus one and Dumfries to score. What's that, Jack? Let's have a look. This is all very exciting. Bet builds a double with Senegal plus one and Dumfries to score any time. He's just over 37, folks. There you go. Uh, and if that's wrong, you can take it up uh, with producer Jack. That's all we have time for on this edition of World Cup Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. I'm going to drag Jack onto the show at some stage, but he's not going to know when I'm going to do it. Uh, if you want the best tips and insight, by the way, delivered straight to your inbox, you you can sign up for our World Cup newsletter at betting.betfair.com. From Stinch, from Mark, from producer Jack and from me, it's goodbye for now.